Welcome to the Work Joy Jam podcast. I'm your host, Beth Dorwood, founder of Create Work Joy. Today, I am joined by Jessie Hartborn, and Jessie is an illustrator who does amazing work with museums, with galleries, using her unique illustration style to tell stories. And it's a really interesting conversation about kind of the artistic mind reconnecting with the stuff that you trained in that you love bringing together what you love and what you've worked on to create a business that uh, really works for you that creates some work joy in your life i really hope you enjoy this conversation hello and welcome to the work joy jam Today, I am joined by Jessica Hartshorn, and I'm really excited to have this conversation. Uh, but rather than me introduce her, Jessica, would you like to introduce yourself? Uh, hello, Beth. Uh, yeah, I'm Jessica Hartshorn. I'm based in rugby, and I'm an illustrator who particularly specialises in working with museums and galleries. Wow, that's a really cool job, and one you never really think about, right? Like, museums and galleries are just there. They're there doing stuff. I've never really thought about an illustrator working with them so tell us a little bit about how did you become an illustrator um so I actually trained as an illustrator a long time ago um sort of way back in the sort of uh, 1999 I think I was at university so a little while ago now um I've always loved art um and after I graduated, I did do some illustrations for about a year, um, but quite quickly ended up getting a job in galleries and museums. Oh, so okay. I worked as an apprentice initially um, for a gallery in Milton Keynes um, and loved working in sort of creative spaces. I was focusing more on education, so I was sort of the education officer and um, just really loved engaging people in the art. So I felt I was still being creative in some way but it was more mm. about sort of enabling other people to be creative and working alongside artists so I actually did that for nearly 17 years sort of moving my way up the ranks and moving on to different galleries and museums um, and yeah after about 17 years in the industry as much as I absolutely loved it um, I did start to miss that sort of creativity myself you know creating and making things myself um so I did start to just paint sort of in the evenings when I got home from my my job I'd uh, pick up the paints and um, started to just play um and that was a key element really for me because a, a friend had just created her own creative business and given up her job and I was saying oh I'd love to do that but you know I'm not quite sure and she said just give yourself permission to play just experiment and see what you want to do because I hadn't you know painted properly for a really long time um so I did that and I set up an Instagram account um, a secret one nobody knew at all <laughs> that I'd <laughs> nobody knew I'd set this Instagram account up and I just posted um posted my illustrations um a really important thing I think looking back was I set myself a goal of trying to post at least two um illustrations a week on there um so that kind of really gave me that incentive to, to keep making and it was just a bit of a confidence boost I suppose when people started liking and commenting um knowing that nobody knew me they didn't know it was me um so it wasn't you know friends or family it was genuine people that wanted to um, follow me um, so after a little while, um, I did start to think, oh, maybe I could do, you know, do this um, and started to look for jobs. But I was, if I'm honest, looking more for jobs that were similar to the job that I was doing in gallery education. Um, so when I did leave my job, I was sort of focused more on working in gallery education. But as museums and galleries um, saw my Instagram and saw that I could do the artwork as well, I realised that there was a bit of a niche for people that had the experience of working in galleries and museums and creating sort of education trails and content, but then also doing the illustration as well and having that kind of key understanding of how galleries and museums work and what collections are and, and all those kind of behind the scenes things. I, I had the background knowledge of both. Um, so that's kind of how it all started, really. And uh, like a lot of things, as I carried on posting on Instagram, but more of the museum and gallery work, and people started to see that. And uh, I had a lot of sort of referrals. 
I also sort of applied for things and, and I suppose like anything the more work I produced and the bigger body of the portfolio I had um, I was enabled then to get more work and it kind of snowballed from there. Wow so in some ways kind of 17 years later going back to where you started but in a different way. Yeah that, that's it I mean I think you know, I wouldn't change a thing because I love my my time in in uh, museums, and I think it really gave me a good network of people because I did yeah. I could send you know uh, my portfolio out to people that I knew, um, and like a lot of people, I suppose, I just had work experience and understanding how I suppose how museums worked and also the networks that people are part of. So I started to talk at conferences, um, museum conferences, and just had an awareness of kind of how to reach the audience. Yeah, yeah, because you've been there and be part of it. That yeah, experience absolutely. Really, really helped there. So I, I have like about a million questions for you. I'm not going to ask you. <laughs> um, because we haven't got all day, but I'm going to ask you a few questions about that because it's a really interesting career. And I'm going to start with this. I'm going to go way, 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 way back. So you said that you loved art and you, you trained in it. What is it? Well, what was it back then when you were kind of in your teenagers and thinking about what to go and do and what to study that got you into art in the first place? Um, I think right from being small, um, my, my dad loved to paint and he, he didn't have a job in art or anything, but he always said he wished he'd gone to art college. So I suppose I had that influence a little bit mm. that when I was growing up, um, you know, there was that encouragement to be creative. Yeah. Um, but I'm a, quite a strong believer that if you're really passionate and enjoy something, you naturally do more of it, which then makes you better. You know, that practice kind of makes um, perfect sort of thing. Um, so I think, you know, the more you practice something, the better you get at it. Um, and I suppose I had a really good art teacher actually at school. And again, I think he saw the potential in, in my work and would always encourage me and, and show me sort of other inspiring artists' work. Um, but I was very much like a lot of people, I think, and hopefully it's changed now, um, told that there wasn't really a job in the arts. Um, you know, you, yeah. maybe, maybe you could be a graphic designer because they get paid. That's what I was told. Um, but I didn't even know an illustrator existed, I suppose, as a job when I was a teenager. But um, so I thought maybe being a teacher might be something like an art teacher. Um, or an artist so when I did work in galleries and museums that was great because I was kind of doing a bit of that but in mm. not a, a school setting which is what I didn't want to do um, but yeah in terms of illustration when I went to art college we got to try everything and illustration was something that was just really playful it kind of suited my style and um, I just really loved it it's sort of I mean, for me, the heart of illustration is that visual narrative, so helping to yeah. tell stories through pictures, and that's something that I just really enjoy. Um, so, and, and that really appealed to me. So I think as soon as I saw that that was a possibility of a job, then I was just sort of, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so funny because I'm, I'm sitting here smiling from ear to ear about the careers advice that you got. And yeah. <laughs> so I'm somebody who went to university and did a music degree, and the careers advice is, well, you can be a teacher. Yeah. And I was like, are you sure that's the only thing <laughs> you can possibly be? I've just spent the last three years studying. So, I, and I, I, I really, really, really hope that it's not like that anymore for the careers advice. I mean, this isn't anything to go for me. But no, I think there is, there is something there about, I totally believe, and I, I, again, smiling at the idea that actually, if you really enjoy something, you will practice at it and then you'll get good at it. And then you'll enjoy it and be good at it and those two things are lovely to experience aren't they yeah absolutely yeah I mean I think whatever you do I mean I, I teach a lot of drawing I still do do bits of teaching um more as sort of one-off workshops and things and, and I'm a really strong believer in drawing in the sense of anyone can long-term draw in the same way you learn to write you know if you yeah. practice with your left hand you can't do it very well but you can or depending on what hand you can draw, uh, write with but you know the opposite hand you've not had the same amount of practice at writing and drawing is exactly the same that you more the more you practice um the better you get at it there's you know some people do have maybe a natural incline to it but I think everyone can learn elements um, and techniques yeah. um, it's just if they're not interested they'll not you know keep practicing so I think that's part yeah. of the key isn't it? it it totally is and I think 
in the world where we kind of see the results of things, where the hard work goes into it, because if you think about social media, obviously your Instagram's amazing and you have all of these people commenting on people don't necessarily see all the years of practice and working through it and learning it that go into it. And therefore, I think a lot of people assume that you would have, like, it's like a natural talent and you either have it or you don't. And if you don't know how to do it now, you'll never know how to do it. But actually, yeah. you can really learn pretty much anything, can't you, if you put the time and effort and energy into it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I do teach a lot of adults and I'm working with a group of adults with um, dementia at the moment. Um, and I think a lot of it is going back to sort of playing a bit, like I was saying earlier, you know, that playfulness of not having uh, preconceived ideas of, of making something very finished, so to speak, um, and just exploring what materials can do and, you know, building your confidence right from a base level, a little bit like building a brick wall wall I suppose you know starting with that bottom layer of actually just getting your confidence of creating and making and, and playing with materials and then slowly building up the techniques I think a lot of people think they've got to you know be Van Gogh on their first day and that's just not gonna happen you know so I think you know that fear factor for a lot of people I think and a lot of that I think is to do with old-fashioned teaching in schools of this is how you draw this apple and and that's it you know that's that's the only way you can do it and I think um, I'm glad to see a lot of schools have changed that perspective of um, showing that lots of different styles are okay yeah and it's interesting isn't it because I I don't think I was ever very I was creative but not artistic is probably how I would describe myself so you know in the musical world or drama and all that kind of stuff describe myself as creative but I was never what you say good at art as a subject but over the last um few years actually encouraged by some great other people I've started to engage in that side of my brain and use it a little bit more and um one of the things I started doing especially for things like these podcasts is to do some more visually engaging notes from them yeah so they're not they are by no means perfectly artistic and there are a lot of words as well as um artistic things but you like bringing in some color bringing in some icons and actually just doing it and using it and not trying to make it perfect not trying to make it good just doing it for my own brain because i like to see things in bright colors has been a really interesting process yeah, definitely. And then that's one thing I learned when I was working in the galleries, actually, is that the processes can be just as important as the final outcome, you know, like yeah. how you got there, you know, that journey. Um, and definitely when we were showing artwork as well, we used to like to show people sketchbooks and processes of experimenting, because that, that is interesting as well for people to see and understand. Um, and I think that can help to build confidence, because if they just see a final piece that's amazing, and they go, oh, wow, that you know that person's so talented. Yet they then see this sort of, you know, maybe six months of how they got to that, of yeah. things going wrong, and you know, trying lots of different things and lots of drawings first. Um, again, it can build people's confidence, and yeah. that it's not just a, you know an hour in, in the studio to create a masterpiece. I also think it's an interesting thing, and in, you know, thinking about the world as it is and how we are. I think, and I might be wrong here because I have no evidence to support this. I've that the world's becoming more and more in need of visual stuff. Like we have less time, we, we concentrate on things for less time. So having something that's visually engaging, that kind of captures our imagination, that tells a story and a picture. You think about like the whole purpose of like Instagram and things like that, that's all about what are you telling your story around a picture. Yeah, so I absolutely. think the world is in need of artistic skills more than ever probably. Yeah, I think so. And I think also with more understanding of different people's learning styles, I think, yeah. you know, I'm very much a visual learner. And when I was at school um, and I was revising, I used to draw, even in science or whatever, I would draw little pictures next to each thing and I would remember the pictures more than the words. So that would really help me revise. Um, and I did quite well in my exams well <laughs> as a result of it, I think, you know. So I think um, the more we understand how people learn, um, to have an option of visual aids in whatever you do is really important and I think that's where a lot of my work comes in, in for galleries and museums because um, often what I'm doing is creating visual aids to help people understand the context of the collections or um, if it's a map for example to bring to life 
um, some of the kind of spaces that if, if somebody just looked at something that was quite plain with just text on, it wouldn't, um, then perhaps wouldn't feel as engaged in, in that environment in the same way. So yeah. um, that's where I kind of see that importance for the illustration that I do. And one of the things I really love about your career story is maybe the idea that you never really planned to be doing exactly the work you're doing now, but it was part of the exploration and development of your career in museums and doing stuff outside of work, doing your playful art outside of work that suddenly came together. And I you know, talk a lot about the fact that work isn't separate from life. Life is a big thing and work is part of it. But actually what you've joined together is kind of the thing that you loved, your playful, fun, doing it for yourself, love just, just for the sake of it, and bringing that together with your kind of working life and combining those things has created a whole new business for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there's never the intention for, and I think, um, you know, I've said this to you before that, um, when I was leaving um, my, my job at the museum, a colleague said to me, because at that point I had been doing illustrations and I had had a couple of commissions and I'd painted quite a big mural, which was in quite an iconic um, uh, gallery in the West Midlands. Um, so I think it was probably about a year after I'd started drawing and I was just about to kind of leave. And they said to me, um, are you leaving to do your illustration? And I sort of laughed and went, oh, no, you know, I'm just going to carry on. And because I, at that point, I still perhaps didn't see the options or think I would earn enough money perhaps to um, to do that or that there'd be enough enough work in that. Um, so I kind of, at that point, I don't think I totally ruled it out, but I'm not, the, the aim of leaving wasn't to purely do that. Um, it was to carry on to do education um, work as projects and things in museums. Um, but very, very quickly, really, um, a few people had seen what I, I'd been doing on Instagram and sort of tied the two things together, really. And it, yeah, it all snowballed from there. It's amazing, isn't it, that these things like, and I, I wonder, do you, do you remember the moment where you suddenly started to believe it, that it could be? Yeah, I think... Um, well, there was one project where I'd been commissioned to create an education pack um, for a London museum and gallery. And um, when I went for the interview, they had they didn't know I could do illustration. So I went for the interview just to do the kind of content. But when I was there, I showed them some of the work that I'd done. And I sort of said, you know, within the budget, I will, I will just add some illustrations. So it was kind of a freebie, I suppose, for them um but they love them um and then since then i've had loads of illustration based just purely illustration based work um, as a result of doing that kind of freebie um so that was kind of part of the start of it really snowballing um and it, when it clicked that actually i could could do this um i'd done some other smaller bits for other other museums but that was kind of quite a big big project that was specific to museums um, and then after that I, I actually applied to the Arts Council to do a year-long project with um, an organisation called Sporting Heritage who um, work with over 50 museums across the UK um, and we, we got the money which is quite you know it's quite difficult particularly in the current climate to get um, and that meant that I was like an artist in residence um, for a year um, working with uh, these 50 museums um, so that was just an amazing um, learning curve um, and uh, enabled me to build my network even further and as a result of that I then started to be asked to conferences and, and other things to speak about uh, this sort of area of specialism so I think um, those two kind of moments one getting the funding and um, you know almost that the Arts Council believed in me that I, I could do this and take it forward um, but also that very first kind of just offering up that I could do this as a combination that was the first time I'd really done that um even though at the time it was a freebie it was definitely kind of worth it because it was almost like to trial it um yeah. that was probably the other moment it's it it's the the believing yourself and saying you actually can do this stuff and putting it out there and kind of that scary moment even if you're offering it for free and kind of going yeah absolutely. Like they might not take me up on this and then the power of someone else believing in you as well, like the arts council kind of going, yeah, do you know what? Let's put some money into this, let's fund this and, and see where it goes. And I often think that 
that combination is really powerful. You kind of have to do something yourself to yeah. make it happen. And someone else kind of saying, yeah, you're doing a good job here. And I, I'm really interested as well in that kind of network building part of uh, working on things. And I think your network is so important for whatever career you work in. But obviously, when you're stepping into maybe a slightly different niche of the world you've already been in, expanding your network is such an important thing to do, isn't it? Yeah, and I think um, I realised I did a bit of research, as you know, hopefully we all should do, um, around other illustrators that specialise in this area, and there wasn't that many. There, there are others, um, but not huge numbers. So I did kind of sort of look at what they did, and you know, look at the kind of recipe you know that they have, and just make sure that I was quite different, which I was. Um, so yeah, I mean, sort of, I looked at that element, and then in terms of networking, it did mean that I had an understanding of what else was out there and how I could kind of market myself slightly differently um but make sure I fulfilled the needs of what what you know galleries and museums needed love it so now a few years on into your um world um are you in in how are you managing to kind of maintain that are you growing are there loads of exciting projects that you're working on yeah tell us a little bit now now you're here now you've made it happen um yeah so i'm just at the next kind of i feel like i'm at the next stage because i have still been doing elements of um just kind of education work that hasn't had illustration as well but i am at that point now where i'm trying to pull back from that and just really focus on either purely edu- uh, illustration or doing that combination of the two um, and only taking on projects where i am you know doing illustration as part of of that combination or or just illustration so I'm sort of growing that side of the business more and kind of I suppose maybe over time you just start to realize the key areas that you really want to work in and and start to drop off the things that you're not as fussed about so I think that's that's the point that I'm at at the moment um in terms of projects um I think next week we're launching quite a big project I've been working on with Sporting Heritage, which is the A to Z of sporting objects. So we've worked with lots of museums across the country and they've put forward an object uh, with a a letter and I've sort of illustrated that and worked with their sports um, education officer and he's written lots of text to go with um, each, each illustration. So that's really nice, quite a big, big project that'll be launching next week. Um, and I've also sort of outside the museum sector, I've worked on a, a book, it's actually um, a poetry book for an organisation who focus on children with SEND needs. Um, so they've um, they've got all the poems and I've illustrated the sort of front cover and all the content. So that'll be launching in the next few weeks as well. So that's quite exciting. Um, so some big and, things coming up. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, just to the sort of projects coming up there's quite a few things linked to the queen's jubilee which is quite exciting um and i am doing quite a lot of workshops as well so sort of, I, I have enjoyed that aspect of it in the sense of going out and working with the community and schools um because it can be quite lonely just being at home all the time so i have tried to um, have a balance of doing my illustration and then doing a few workshops um sometimes once or twice a week it's been quite nice Lovely. So kind of a nice rounded different things to keep you entertained in different ways and yeah, more and more focused yeah, on the social side. Yeah, it's really, really good. And so tell me a little bit about if people are I mean, we obviously don't have time to give you give you give a full workshop in this form. And we probably want to do it more visually than just on sound if we were gonna do it. But I'd love to know if people are interested in kind of maybe reigniting a passion for drawing or painting or art in any of its many many different forms or if they've never done it before how might people go about just getting started and getting playful with it i think it depends on the level so the total beginners um i would suggest signing up to either a class or there's lots on youtube nowadays so i in lockdown i um, created a whole range of youtube videos on, on drawing and um, that was mainly aimed at children actually but saying that there are so many videos online now so it might be that you just dedicate either an hour a week or a little slot of time um, and i'd suggest 
going on YouTube and, and just Googling or sort of searching the sorts of things that you're interested in. So it could be flowers, for example, you know, how to draw flowers um, and just seeing what's out there. I think that's a really kind of light touch way of, of getting started. Um, you know, buy yourself a nice little sketchbook and a nice pencil so you feel like you're, you know, you've got something special to work with. Yeah, um, you will always get me with any stationery. Yeah, any stationery. So yeah, absolutely. Done. It makes it a nice special. Nice pencil, done. <laughs> <laughs> um, and maybe start start there just because I think that's quite an easy, it's not scary. If you don't like something, you can stop it and start it and, um, you know, pause it. But also you can try something else if it's not working for you um and then the next step i'd say is to join a class or some sort of course or group um i think there are quite a few community groups out there where it's a little bit um less scary and intense where maybe an artist like myself might go in and and run sort of one-off activities and, and drawing um workshops um but then there's also the more sort of higher education or um, adult education ones where you book on for sort of terms so I think that that's one way um, another approach perhaps if you're a bit more confident would be I would always suggest getting a sketchbook and maybe picking um, a topic or a theme and um, so you might have a challenge so uh, it might be you know every day for two weeks I'm going to draw something out of my window or what I have for lunch or what, whatever interests you but just kind of setting yourself a goal I suppose just like your business really setting yourself a goal of what you want to achieve um, and just having a play and, and not putting too much pressure on yourself um, again there's lots of things online I think to give you ideas um, when I when I first started my Instagram account um, there was lots of challenges on Instagram so it might be say draw this in your own style so it might be I don't know an animal or a, a person and then you would upload that and then that would kind of get circulated and the the artist that created the challenge would share yours and everybody else's and it was just a really nice community um thing and that for me that was a really good way of helping me to do these two drawings a week because if I wasn't sure what to do I would look for these challenges and um it, yeah it just made me feel part of a community as well so I think if you've got a bit more confidence that that's quite a good thing to kind of link in with yeah and maybe like build up to that as well if you're going to do yeah. some of the other stuff you can always yeah that's always an option in the future isn't it to go and have a little look and do it and that's really interesting here as well about that power of like the community and other people who are doing it and in the same position as you when you first started back out on on this journey and i'm going to say you didn't start from zero because obviously you had history with artistic skills um but when you were there how important was it to have other people and to kind of be in that community sense yeah really important actually because um i suppose in this new world of being online you don't know who people are and then um that kind of gives you a bit more confidence that most people are hopefully commenting because they do actually like your work um but also just kind of I suppose that incentive to keep going um and also later on I found other groups that were more sort of support groups in the sense of you know what materials do you use and where can I get this from and um and I think it can be quite isolating being at home so to have other people to be able to kind of share and bounce ideas off of especially sort of thinking back to when I was at university and we, we used to work in a studio together and you could always share and bounce ideas ask for criticism or you know what do you think of these two colors if I do two colorways and all those sorts of things um some of these groups you can do that you can sort of put your work on there and go what do you think you know which one do you like best and and that was really useful yeah, and, and it's interesting, isn't it? Because often in creativity, we need other people's perspectives on things, don't we? Whether it's you know work-based creativity or art-based creativity or any kind of other creativity, getting more than our own individual perspective on something can be very valuable. 
Yeah, it's particularly for clients. So my my husband's not creative at all, bless him. Um, but that actually is to my advantage because I almost sort of say it's like the layman's um, view of what the artwork's going to look like. So when I'm working on things for clients, I'll often show him. And if he doesn't quite say, he might go, well, you know, what's that bit there? Or, um, you know, is that meant to be like that? Or it's so if you do it yourself you know what you're doing you know what that's meant to be and sometimes it doesn't matter how good you are as an artist or illustrator um something might not quite look right and you haven't picked it up so to show him is really useful um and yeah he'll be really honest with me as well which is what what I need so um I can then go back and make changes before it gets to the client so yeah, yeah that's, that's really helpful. There, are, there are good uh, uh my husband often gets used for a um proofread of documents yeah. before I go know because it comes a while if you've read them like four times and you have no idea that you spelled something wrong because yes. you've read it so many times. So totally get that. Very useful people to have around. Um, yeah, another angle I just wanted to go from a minute is often people talk about this idea that kind of if you work doing what you love, it doesn't feel like work and it's all amazing and magic. And I don't particularly buy into that because I think even when you're doing stuff you love, it's still work. There's still hard work stuff that goes on to it. So tell me a little bit about that transition from being an employee to kind of working for yourself and working on your own thing and um, the highs and the lows of it, if you can. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I'm, I feel really strongly about this. And um, I know there's been a lot of campaigns the last few years to say, you know, art is work. Um, I've trained, I've paid a lot of money to get to university to to study illustration you know I've got years of experience um I bring a lot to it I have to pay public liability insurance you know all these things add up um and it is really frustrating to be asked to say work for a week I've been asked to work for a week before for voluntary um you know to do a big mural um and to pay for my own materials as well and I just think you would never ask a builder to well, unless it's DIY SOS, you're <laughs> a builder to, um, you know, build a house for you for free. And I just think, you know, as an illustrator and, and other artists are, are skilled people um, and they're doing a job that most people can't do. That's why you're, they're being asked to do it. Um, so there needs to be a, a value put on that. Um, I think it's getting better. And I think actually my experience working in the cultural sector, sort of commissioning artists, um, I've got a better understanding of that. And I was, you know, in, if you work in the sector, you feel very, um, a lot of pride in making sure you pay the right amount of money that's suggested by the Arts Council um for artists um so i think people in the sector know um it tends to be people that aren't in the cultural sector that um, maybe are in the business sector or a voluntary sector that ask um to, for things to be done for free um and i think a lot of artists will do elements you know i do charity you know i choose a few things a year that i will do for free based on what i believe in or um you know maybe certain um you know things are close to me um but I, I'm quite strict with that and I've had to over the years but also you know if I'm really busy and I'm being paid for my days then I can't really sort of say well I'll have a week off <laughs> week off to do this for free um yeah it's just you know and it's I suppose as I've got busier it's made it easier to say no because I'm I'm already busy and I know you know people value other people will value what I do um and I've heard this so many times before that the people that pay the less the least sorry um are often the most hassle and I've definitely found that so you know I think that's also made it easier over the years to think you know this might not be worth touching with a march pole <laughs> um so yeah I think that's how I feel I've also and this can happen quite often with art is um being asked to create work so, for example, this happened recently linked to the Jubilee and um, somebody um, wanted multiple artists to create work to show them um, linked to the Jubilee and they would choose the best. And again, you'd never ask three builders to build you a wall um, and then they decide who they're going to take on. They just wouldn't do it. They look at your past work and that's what should happen. Um, so, you know, you sort of it is that sort of slightly unrealistic expectations of, like you say, because you love it that's okay but there are a lot of other people that love their work 
and they still get paid properly so um it's just kind of valuing the arts once it's valued properly across you know across the board then actually better work will be produced because unfortunately what can happen is a lot of amateur i don't sound patronizing but a lot of amateurs uh, amateur artists and um, that still might be super talented um but just pick pick things up now and again and actually don't earn their main living from it and will do things for free and then that's why it then gets a bit squiffy because um you know people that are asking will go well so and so has done it for free and you know it, it kind of it makes it tricky um i think and that will always happen i suppose in in the, in the cultural sector whether it's musicians or dancers or or artists yeah so, yeah and yeah, I, it's, it's such a good point yeah. to remember that your work has value. It, yes. it has value and it is valued. Um, but the people who only want to say it's valued not actually value it. It's a yes. it's a really interesting one. And, I, you know, similar things like for I do a lot of speaking gigs and there are always people who want me to do a speaking gig for free. And it's like, OK, yeah. but this, is, this has value to it. There is It is worthy of something. And like you... I choose a few things a year to go and do for free that are for good causes, that are things that I believe in and for people that I believe in and all that kind of stuff versus just saying you'll do anything for free because that does downvalue your work as well. It says that it's not worthy of that and your work totally is worthy of it. And I think there's all the other aspects, isn't there, when you're working for yourself that you do have to pay that are behind the scenes and that people don't see, you know, your website and your your insurance and, you know, your materials and, you know, there's so much that you you have to do to just keep yourself going as a business. Um, And again, I think people don't quite appreciate that sometimes. So um, I think for me, it's made it easier since, because I also produce my own sort of branded illustrations. So I've got... um, uh, my company name so to speak is jesse illustrates um and since i set that up it's just make it a little bit easier because it, it looks more as a business rather than just me as an individual um and therefore when people approach me um i don't know almost seeming like a business can make the value make it look more valuable yeah i don't know if that makes sense yeah what is out there in the world about your stuff that people yeah. can go and actually pay for so they understand yes. the value of what those things are yeah, yeah. yeah it's like your shop front isn't it it's like this yes, is the shop front. right yeah and i can do some special um bespoke stuff for you as well but this is also kind of a bit about my style this is how much it's worth you've got you've got something there that kind of sets the tone yeah yeah definitely Oh, so interesting. And I, I, it's been so lovely talking to you around this stuff because I think it is an important subject like around art and artists and creativity and how important that side of things is in our world and will continue to be as the world grows and continues and things change. I mean, gone are the days where it's okay to produce the Word document and send it out to clients. It's got to be something, it's got to be good looking, right? We've got to have yeah. graphic design or it's got to have illustration. It's got to have something to do that visual storytelling that you were talking about earlier. But I'm going to move us on now, if it's okay with you. And I'm going to go yeah. into our quick fire questions round. Are you ready? Yeah. <laughs> as ready as you'll ever be. <laughs> okay, question one. What is always guaranteed to bring you a little bit of work joy? Um, I think opportunity to play. I think I've definitely learned that having that opportunity to play, especially when I get really stressed, I think I need to put a little bit of time next week to just just do something for me, create some art for me, and to keep going back to that because that's what grounds my work mm. and um, is that authentic element of what I do. I love that. And... It's it's interesting, isn't it? Because when you go into a world of doing what you love, you could end up just spending your entire time creating things for other people. But that yeah. reminding yourself to create something that's just for you, such an important thing to have. And whether you do work in the artistic world or whether you work as an accountant or in IT, what are you doing around the things that you love that are just for you? And I love this idea of like you can just play at something. You don't have to be good at it. I think for many years in my head, I associated being good with something as enjoying it and vice versa. And what I've been rediscovering recently is things like playing the piano. And I'm totally rubbish at it. Like, honestly, awful at it. But (laughs) it doesn't matter because I'm I'm just playing. And I, I, you know, gone are the days when I was a student at school and kind of say, you must, you must practice 
practice, you must practice, you must practice yeah. to pass an exam. And getting that out of my head took quite a long time. And getting yeah. into, I'm just playing for the fun of it. I'm just playing for me. I'm not playing for anybody else. It just quietens my mind. It's good to have my hands busy and my brain so concentrating on what the notes should be versus what I'm playing that I can't think about anything else. Yeah, absolutely. And I've signed up this year to do a few exhibitions, um, which is really nice because that gives me the impetus to play in the sense that I can create something for me for yeah. the exhibitions. So, um, so yeah, that's quite exciting. Oh, very exciting. I have to see more about this. Right. Question two. What book are you currently reading? Um, I've literally, only literally, <laughs> just started the new Will Smith um, autobiography. Um, which I'm literally just at the beginning, but I'm quite excited to read because during lockdown I watched the, he had a series on YouTube, which was him writing it. I don't know if you're aware of, of that, um, which sort of showed the process and it was quite traumatic actually for him um, because he had quite a difficult um, uh, past growing up um, with his family. So, um yeah, so I, I, can't, I suppose I know elements of it because I saw elements of him writing it. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm quite excited to get into that. Um, he's somebody that's excelled, um, I think, in his career. And he writes a lot about the kind of positive elements and the negative elements of that, you know, being a perfectionist, which I think I am, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So I kind of relate to some of those elements. Um, but what was really interesting watching the uh, kind of creation of it was that he did include all the people um, in like, sittings um, that are in the book so like his family and, and um, friends he got them to gather together and he read aspects of the book um, just to make sure that you know they're all happy with everything but also he talked about which I never really thought about before that kind of two-sided view of a situation because obviously he was writing from his personal lived experience um, where for the other people their experience of the situation may have been quite different so um, so yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to carrying on with that. Oh great I'm gonna have to check out that YouTube series as well and see what that's like brilliant. Uh, question three what is the best or most useful bit of information that someone has given you in your life a bit of advice whatever it was that you always find yourself coming back to? Um, one of the, I think one of the things I always come back to, and this has been throughout my life actually, or since probably university, um, is to be the best you you can be in the sense of not looking at others and trying to compare yourself to to them uh, mm. and trying to emulate what other people are, um, but to push myself to be the best me I can be. So within my parameters, but also still challenge myself. Um, and I think that's in all aspects of, of my life. So not just my work, but, um, you know, when I'm exercising, I sort of try and push myself to do as much as I can. Um, I think, you know, we've only got one life and I do very much believe in trying to kind of live, uh, not necessarily for the moment, but, you know, if, if you've got an opportunity to take it, um, I am a bit of a yes person, not in the sense of taking everything um, that necessarily I'm offered, but in the sense of if there's an opportunity, I try not to be afraid yeah. um, and go with the fear <laughs> and yeah. do it anyway. <laughs> um, so, and I, I think that's led me to have lots of experiences throughout my life that I wouldn't have done if I'd not taken those experiences um, and led on to other opportunities as well. That's interesting, isn't it? Like that, say yes to it, see what happens and, and go with it, feel the fear, do it anyway and see where it might lead you versus kind of sitting back and going, oh, I'm a bit scared about that. I'm not going to do it because I'm too scared. Yeah. yeah. And, and that definitely applies to work as well. There's been times when, like, for example, that very first mural that I did um, way back when I was still working in, in the museum um, in this big gallery, um, it was four 13 meter walls wow. a massive space I'd never done anything like that before and I was petrified and I, I I was even like do I do this application but I really didn't think I'd get it so I ended up just thinking oh do you know what I'll put it in anyway um and then when I got offered it I was like oh my gosh I don't know if I can do this um but I did just go with it and it it was brilliant and then I've been asked each year since so so I've done three now um 
in in the same space um and each year it's got easier and i'm pretty confident now in that yeah. space so you know if i'd never put myself forward i you know wouldn't have had and that's led to a lot of other opportunities as well because of the profile of the space so yeah. um you know believe in the process i suppose is the other bit of advice or you know i try and just believe in and have faith in the process even if it doesn't look like it's gonna happen (laughs) believe that it will it's such good advice and i i'm sitting here thinking about the we often want to feel confident before we do stuff but the process is actually what makes you confident the process of doing it of trying it of working through it of getting over the hurdles of finding people who can help you of pushing yourself they're actually the things that build the confidence not before you do it the before you do it but you're never going to feel confident doesn't work like that absolutely brilliant um Next question. What is one super practical bit of advice to our listeners that's something they could go and do today, tomorrow, the next day that you think would help build them a bit of work joy? Um, I think from from my perspective, I mean, it might be different different in different sectors, but um, especially if you're starting out, um, just doing a little bit of research on uh, other kind of competitors and looking at what they do and what their recipe is for success and sort of seeing if any of those things kind of emulate with yourself or the things that you potentially could strive towards so it's not talking about like copying someone else but if there's someone that you sort of aspire to um have similar business um or work life uh or marketing or or whatever you know there's someone that you for example on instagram there's a few people that when i was starting out that i followed um and i thought oh i really like you know what they're all about i like their sort of graphics i like their color scheme you know i like how it all feels together um so doing a bit of research to just help me to kind of have some sort of aim to some sort of goal of what i wanted to be something similar to that um but uh obviously authentic to my brand and my style but take elements of of what they were doing um so yeah sort of researching what other people do um because i think that will bring you joy in the sense of having uh, a plan and i don't know i mean the people that i follow i suppose i I, my my brand is all about being um positive and and um aim to make people smile so i was following people that were similar you know that, that want to make you smile so that obviously naturally brought me joy and um i suppose any other industry finding what you really like about what you do and then seeing what other people do and um seeing if you can add to that from what other people um I've got their sort of recipe for yeah. success. It's really interesting. It's not about copying what they do. It's like how have they gone about making it happen? Yeah. What's their, what, what's their process? What's their yeah. principles? How do they put themselves out there? And it's, I always think that it, you, if you find a few people, you can get inspired by little bits of everyone, can't you? And then pull yeah. that together with your own style, with your own passion, with your own unique way of doing stuff that you can then become your own version but in a way that works for you, but is inspired and honours kind of other people's ways of working as well. Yeah, absolutely. Love that. Such a good thing. And so often, like, our research, we can go in the wrong direction here, which is where we research and then we spend our time comparing where we're at to where someone else is. And that yeah. comparatitis of life is is a, a sure way to get unjoyful to get really gloomy about stuff because that person may have been doing it for five years longer than you have you're not going to be in the same place you're not going to have the same number of followers but actually looking at them for the purposes of research not comparison I really like that idea yeah absolutely brilliant so what's going to happen now is that everybody who's listening is going to want to see your designs they're going to want to see what it is that you do and your stuff so where can people find out more about you Okay, so I'm on all social media, I think, or most social media. Um, Instagram's probably the uh, one that I'm sort of most active on. So you can follow me at jesse underscore illustrates. And my website also has uh, lots of different things, and you can obviously contact me on both. But my website is www.jessicahartshorn.com. 
heartporn.com. What we will do is we will put all of the links into the show notes as well so that everyone can um, just go and click straight from there, straight through to your Instagram and to your website. And I just want to say a huge thank you for coming on and talking about this subject. I get really passionate about talking about things like artistic stuff. And I really, you know, I I really value the artistic people in the world and how they bring everything together and do that amazing storytelling. So it's amazing talking to you. Thank you so much. And I wish you like to have such great projects that are coming up. How exciting to do the Jubilee and all kinds of different things. So have a great time. And by the time this comes out, some of those things may have happened. So we might be able to share some of them as well. Thank you so much. Thank you again to Jesse Hartshorn for joining me on this episode of the Work Joy Jam. It's so interesting listening to people from a creative background, thinking about how, you know, that careers advice 20 something years ago, similar to what I had, possibly didn't give us the full range of what's possible in careers and how you can take some of these things, go in a different direction, reconnect, rediscover the things that really bring you that joy inside and outside of work. And that you can also connect with the joy in creating new and different types of work, in creating your own thing, your niche, finding a way to find your work joy in that way. I personally love listening to people who are in the artistic world and I have gone and followed Jessie and her amazing illustrations and she does some incredible work and I think there is that need for us all to think about how visual we are and how important having visual storytellers in our worlds are. So whether you're in an organisation or you're working for yourself and you're looking at how do we bring something to life, potentially we need a little bit of art in our worlds. So thank you all for listening. We have many seasons now, five seasons of the Work Joy Jam that you can go and listen to on your favourite podcast app. And we also have all of our social media, so do come follow us. And Club Work Joy is in place and Club Work Joy is a great community of people who are all creating and cultivating joy in their working lives. We have guest speakers, we have events, we have um, uh, networking conversations uh, and it's a really great place to be so if you're interested head to our website createworkjoy.com and find out a little bit more I will speak to you again soon bye bye